Yes, everyone, and welcome back to the Straight Up Podcast. For this week's episode, we're absolutely delighted to have the man himself, Connor McKenna, with us. Connor, Thank welcome to the show. Cheers, Dad. Thanks for having me. Welcome back, man. Um, how are you getting on? How are you finding life? I was going to say how are you finding life back in Ireland after Australia, but based on your Instagram updates there recently, I need to ask you how you find life since you got back from Dubai. <laughs> no, Hello. I'm pretty good being back home. I'm fond of a bit of a holiday, so... Went to Dubai for four nights over New Year's and enjoyed myself and then back home now working with Dad. So, got a bit of, bit of sunshine before, a bit of cold weather here. That's the way to do it. Um, well, here, was that a last minute decision or were you planning that for a while? Last minute, I were in the May and having a few pints and the 23rd, the last day the pubs were open and booked, booked the flights in there and flew out about three days here. So, it was a bit of a last minute decision now. That's one thing about coming home from Australia, isn't it? There's not, not as much sun here as there is over there, so I'm sure Dubai can be chased with a good life again, doesn't it? I definitely come home at Christmas time is a bit of a shock compared to Australia. I think it's 40 degrees in Melbourne or 35 degrees a minute, so a bit of a difference, but get a great for four days and get a bit of sun before before back into the coil. Well, here, what were restrictions right. and all like in Dubai? Were you able to get out for a few? Oh, guys, so you get tested you have to get tested before you go, and you get tested when you landed, and you get tested before you go home as well, so. We were tested three or four times in four days, but that was good. Again. It was a bit, I was still a bit restrict, restrictions and stuff about and temperature checks, but no, it was pretty good just to get a few beers and stuff with, with one of the mates. Nice. For I do. I do. Um, so, more broadly than that, then, um, how have you found when did you get when did you land back then in Ireland from Australia? No, back probably middle of August. Our season runs in September, and I came home probably three or four weeks before the end of the season. So, probably middle of August, I came home. And then how did you find adapting to life back home? Just not, not even in terms of sport or anything, just just general life. How have you found it? No, yeah, definitely happy to be home. I think I was always a homebird and knew that before I went. And I used to always say to the players that I would only be here for a short time, but they probably didn't really believe me and think, no, you're only saying that because you're Irish. But I was in the back of my head. I, want, I wanted to be home at some stage. And uh, just, yeah, happy home, just with friends and family and pretty close family. So just, just good to be back with them for a while. And you, were, like, you were coming home at different periods as well on, uh, over your in your time there, Connor. So I'm sure it was just like a, a slipping back into normality, was it? As opposed to maybe a big transition back to from one to the other, was it? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. I think God, he'll go away to Australia and spend four or five years there and come home and find a big difference. But as you say, I was home twice a year, sometimes three times a year. So I don't really feel like I was probably away six years. I always get home for probably between two and three months a year. So never, I never really missed a full year, which was was good and probably made it easier to probably transition back into life at home. And in terms of missing home, like, was it one thing in particular, or was it just a whole combination of friends, family? Uh, I think it was just life? a whole combination. Probably you say friends, family, and Gaelic was probably the main, the main three. A just diff- different lifestyle over in a big city. I suppose where I'm from, Agler's is a pretty small wee town, so. To go over to a big city with millions of people by myself and I was putting a, a host family when I first went out there so just just adjusting the stuff that we got did, did take a while and probably something I always dealt with and struggled with when I was over from, from the first year right until even the sixth year was there so something I always did have to deal with but yeah it was good while it, while it lasted but have to be home yeah um, well so, I can certainly yeah. imagine like friends and family encouraging you while you're out there but I was thinking was there any friends or family that were encouraging you to come home at any point during the time like not really to be honest no i was i was never that bad really i probably didn't really tell people i, I did feel really other than a media family so they're probably only really ones that didn't know between them probably three or four of my best mates so i didn't really say a lot to other people but not really every certain encouragement to stay there as long as i wanted and 
not that the, me and my dude, they were just sort of, if you want to stay there for two years, stay there two years. If, you, if you're happy, stay there. If you're not, come home. And when I did come home, then people sort of realised probably it was the right decision for me because I've probably been a lot happier since, since I've been home. Yeah. Yeah, it's something all, all we've, we've heard bits and pieces about, and I'm sure we'll get further into the nitty gritty as we go through the episode here. But uh, just something I was wondering, Connor, I'm sure others listening too. Um, when you did come back home, obviously you rejoined the throne panel, and um, not only what was that like, but I suppose what was a bit of a reflection on the short stint you did had? I know you had a, a Titanic tussle with, uh, with Donegal, everyone's seen the clip of you and Murphy bouncing off each other. So, what was it like coming back into action then on the Gaelic front? It's probably something I was always a bit nervous about when I went over to Australia that if we would come back in however long, would I still be able to play Gaelic? So probably something I did deal with a bit over there. But I, I was actually playing, training for a Gaelic team in Australia this year, at the start, or sorry, started last year now. Just the, the club, when I was homesick, the club let me do that. So I started to get my skills back back going then. And it was pretty easy to go back in the zone. I knew most of them boys from minors and under 21. So I did have a good few friendships with a few lads there. So it was pretty easy to go back into training and sort of just felt home again. And just felt good and then you get the first game over my, my belt was good in the league against Donegal and then just building into, building into it and then obviously it was a bit disappointing against Donegal in the way there was no back door this year but just something I'm looking forward to in the next few years getting stuck in there. Yeah and, and go on Ashley. I was going to say whenever you were training with that team the Gaelic team in Australia were you doing that with a few thoughts of you know what I'm doing this and I'm thinking about going home? Oh, I always, yeah, when, I, when I went this year after Christmas <clears throat> I never really settled I was out Normally I go back and first two or three weeks it would be sort of just feeling shitty and stuff and then after that I'd be fine. But this year, last year, so I went out over Christmas, I just never felt the same again really. And I sort of knew it was probably coming coming to an end. I had two years left my contract and I sort of was struggling to get through that year and I didn't really think I was going to get the next year anyway. But I did probably have a view that I was going to be home at, at some stage in the next six to seven months. So the club were good, like they let me and tried everything to be fair to them to, to, to make me happy. And... My brother was playing for the Gaelic team as well, so it was just going on a Tuesday night and train with them instead of training a Tuesday with the AFL team. So it was yeah, good just to get back in the swing of things with that. And then it sort of worked well that I came home probably and had my skills a bit, bit more up to up to keep, so it was good. Seems like it worked well for you. And then I suppose it wasn't only a, a year of transition for yourself, but also, I suppose, for Throne senior football in general with obviously the, the legend of Mickey Hart passing through and then the new management coming in. I suppose, what was your reflections on your brief stint with Mickey and obviously your view on what's coming this year with the new management and throw football? Yeah, it was a bit difficult this year just because the whole COVID thing wouldn't really allow to have a full a full training programme. So we're going in and you're getting ready to train and you're going in the car ready to train. So you weren't really getting to talk to boys or have team means as such. It was sort of small groups and just a quick five minutes before a training session sort of talking. So I probably really never got the full wrath of him, but from what the boys said, obviously he was amazing and you see what he's done for Trone. But going forward, I think it's a, it's a good change. It's 18 years a long time to be, to be at the helm of something and to have a new fresh face and a fresh voice is, is definitely going to hopefully encourage the players and something I'm really looking forward to getting involved with. And probably last year a bit quieter than, a bit quieter than normal, but this year I really try to put myself there as a leader and speak out as much as I can. Where would you, where would you see yourself operating in terms of position? I'm not really sure to be honest, Ashin. I played a bit of full forward last year just because I think my fitness is a very big bit different, I find, from AFL to Gaelic. Gaelic's sort of non-stop, so it's something I'm still sort of working with and probably even around the midfield, centre-forward direction, I suppose. I think Gaelic, nowadays, you have to be able to play in many different positions. I think that's something that hopefully Throne will have in many, many options, that players can go from full forward to midfield and just keep changing up. So uh, I think probably around the, the middle is my, my main area, but happy to play anywhere at the minute. 
like I've seen, um, I was reading a piece about it that a lot of the Throne lads, good squaddies, have have had experience working with the two new men from is it was it the under twenty one panel a few mm-hmm. years ago? Are you were you part of that as well, or do you been aware of that stage? No, so my my last year minors, I was called on the under twenty one teams for about a month just to be a big Calvin. So I was on under uh, Fergal Logan and Brandier just for about a month and a half, and that was me. And then the year after, they won the under twenty one All Ireland with them. So there's a good probably between eight and ten boys that have been coached for them for two or three years. So I suppose they have a good relationship with them fellas and them, the, the coaches probably have a, a name of players to want to play and stuff. So it's definitely something that's hopefully worked their advantage. Well, yeah. There's a good uh, <clears throat> there's a good photo of you in that cabin match, isn't there? Uh, catching the ball? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Happy, yeah. That's my we got bait, but I was happy with that. Yeah. Um, well, here, let's, let's go back to that uh, 2013-14 period then. That 2013 season with Throw Miners was probably, I don't know, from me looking into it, like it just seemed like you couldn't do any wrong. Obviously, you were only first year minor at that stage. So, I don't know, like, did you understand how well you're performing or were you just going with the flow? Like, that's the sort of person you were saying to me, like, you just go with the flow, don't put any pressure on yourself, but just seem to go out and do it on the field. Is that how you were oh, looking at that season? Or? That was my second year of minors. I was on it the year before that, but never played. So I was a, so I was there for three years, but never played really before year. And then sort of knew most lads, and probably not far wrong. I sort of don't really put too much pressure on myself. I just quite and play for the fun of it. I think if you're not playing for the fun and the love of it, you sort of lose ambition to play. So that's what I try to do as much as you can. And it's not going to work every time. I understand you have bad games, but I think people get caught up, but not too much. Sometimes if, if I have a bad game, it doesn't really seem to affect me too much. Like I just go on the next week and. Try try improving that, but yeah, sort of had a good year that year, and that's probably when the AFL started to come to the fall. So I got a couple of phone calls that never really knew much about, to be honest. But uh, it was a bit strange, but I uh, definitely had a, had a good year. It's probably my most enjoyable year of football to date, definitely. What would you say? What would you say the highlight was that goal against was common, maybe? Uh, I see just not even see the crack going away for a weekend with the lads before a game. It was just. We're going away every weekend, somewhere different to play a different game. And against, I think we played Kerry in Dublin. Then we played, we got lucky, we played three games for Parks. So we played Kerry in the quarterfinal, was common in the semis in Mayo in the, the final. And just even the night before, just with the team, it was just a serious crack. Like, and you do, you honestly build relationships there for, for life. And still, boys, I suppose, boys and Pemina, and really looking forward to getting back into them. So I'll come back to the Australian um, interactions in a wee second. But with that in mind then, like building those relationships at minor level, did that make it a wee bit tougher then whenever you were looking back at the under-21s, you know, with those relationships in mind, etc.? And obviously they were successful then and you would have been part of it? Yes, yeah, so when I left the street, I knew when I was leaving behind and probably was leaving the chance that was a possibility and I sort of always knew it, but you'd probably never think it's going to happen really. And then I remember watching the game and sort of watched it and just sort of getting feeling worse and worse then when they did finally win it and obviously over the moon for all the lads, it sort of, it was a, it was a killer like it it did really make me feel sort of question why I was in Australia and what was I doing it for and if I had been home I most likely would have been involved in all Ireland and had an all Ireland in my name so it definitely hit home hard and then it did after I think probably about a week or two after that I, I told the club I wanted to go home for say during the Irish summer so during the middle of the season so instead of four days off I got two weeks and flew home because I just I wasn't coping well with my first year so it definitely had a big impact on my first year yeah and at those First year, that first year, man, you said there. Obviously, your football ability was no doubt highlighted, um, as everybody knows. But 
as a as a fellow uh, former uh, student of Simpat Sarma, looking back at that time of your of your career, I always remember I was a, a year above you, Connor. You always uh, coming through as a youngster from the year below, playing in teams above, and I'm sure that's been part of your career throughout. You know the underage. Um, the rise to success, but suppose if you could reflect on your time, I know St. Pat's didn't win a McCroy there, but we've all seen the video of you dominating. Is it the one seven up in Kirkstown? Oh, Remember yes. you're playing uh, the YouTube video. So, what Indiana. about your time there? Obviously, you're, you're no doubt one of the best players that's come through, come through the school in, in, in recent times. Yeah, McCroy is actually a probably paying through miners by one of enjoyable years of football. Like, I think I played the two years above when Connor White and Sheffield Man was, was at the age group. So, that we got to the semi final that year, and that was. A really good year with I think with John Devine, Mark Hart and David Hart as managers and just class boys you can't play boys for seven years and then to play with them and we're probably unlucky not to not to get the McCray final that year and we're unfortunately probably the next two years our team wasn't that good to be honest. But actually when I got my GCSE results in fifth year, me and my dad both wanted me to move to the Academy to try to go to play McCroy there. So I wanted I that was my idea of it, but mum with my academic not being that good, she wanted me to stay in some bats, so that was unfortunate. Okay, that's another nugget on comfort there, yeah. <laughs> Who knows what it would have been, but sure, we'll not oh, let you go yeah. anyway. And um, and then the things it, combining both aspects then the Troll Miners and the McCrory run is that when things really started to to pick up as as far as you being noticed by AFLs and scouts and scouts and stuff like that. Yeah, like they're it's really strange because there are games you probably don't even realize they're at. So I had boys sort of coming over to me after friendly games and goodbye for Troll Miners and. Australian fellas just shaking my hand saying, yeah, we're from such and such a club and we're just here watching you. And it's just like, it wasn't, it wasn't funny for before and it was random. And then you play a game in the third grounds of the school and you get home and an hour later, somebody knocked your door and he was from Geelong and he was just coming to see the family. So it was strange. Like people were just sort of landing your front door and that was probably a bit further on in the process. The first couple of times uh, I never really heard much of it. And then I was in school one day actually in the study hall and my brother texted me saying that Tag Canelli from Kerry who played the Sydney Swans going to ring me. So went up to Aggie and Tyler I need to leave and went out and had a phone call with Tag about coming to a trial. So that was really the first real teaser I got of it and to be honest I hadn't really heard much about AFL. I'm not a big sports watcher so I didn't really hear much of it and then went out and had the phone call and from that the ball started rolling and went to a few trials and performed pretty well in testing and stuff and then was lucky enough to get invited to London to a combine with a, the Australian fellas. I played pretty well before first game there, and from then on, I sort of knew that it was probably going to be my my option if I wanted to go over. That I had the choice, just sort of what team. There was three or four teams that were interested, and in. that was in March time. And then between March and September, we sort of just narrowed down and visiting clubs and talking to clubs about who I sort of felt more comfortable with. And um, how many clubs were in the mix then? Yeah, so there's five, and the end of it was uh, so the night before I signed, there was five clubs that I sort of had the choice of. Uh, so it was weird. Me and Paddy Bofi, a fella from Kildare, flew out yes. to. To Melbourne, or so I flew to Perth first, went to West Coast Eagles, and then flew to Melbourne and visited four other clubs, and then sort of just got around, went around Australia, and went to the Combine, and did that and stuff, and then sort of got a feel for it, and made the decision on the Thursday night that I was going to sign for Eston. So it was a, it was a bit of a surreal experience, when myself and Paddy both signed the contracts, we were back up the hotel room, and sort of sat there in complete silence, and no one really knew what to say for a while, so it was different, like. Not crack out in the champagne, that's it. Oh, geez, no, I was just so shocked. <laughs> like, is I never had a job before, so it's going from being straight to school to professional footballer, so it was a bit of a shock to the system, I think. Jesus. And, and the thing, obviously, when you, when you, I don't know what it was like, but I'm sure it was amazing. But did, at that at that stage, did anything change? 
change for you as far as that I think like I said you know I maybe rely because you know everybody knows when you come through school kind of everything's put put in front of you as far as you know you just go and do as you're told but at that point did you feel like you then had to go up and step up your, your training and, and your preparation everything that goes into you being as good as you were to really take yourself to the next level to go over there and obviously excel especially as such a young a youngster yeah it's probably more that I just thrive in the challenge of it I think I knew like that's the made really apparent they're like you're going from probably being one of the better players to being one of the worst players in the competition at the minute so you have, you're going from every loving you and thinking your class till no one really thinks you can make it. So I sort of thrived off that, and that's probably what drove me the first two years was just proving people wrong and sort of putting a target on someone's back and passing them, and then going, okay, I've got past you, I'm going to pass the next player, and work made it as high up the list as I could in my team and as good as players could be. And sort of when I got to being a, I think the last couple of years, I sort of was consistently a good standard of player and played most games. I was sort of happy enough, and after that, I didn't really have any more goals or ambitions over there, and that's probably where I lost the love for it. That sounds like such a simple um, philosophy, you know, like put a target on someone's back, go after them, get them, go for the next one. But like, yeah, simple, think, but really, yeah. really, really, really yeah. effective. Like, Yeah, I think people sort of focus too much on big things and going for your mm-hmm. irons. I think it's, it's a long, it's always, that's a long way away. You, you put a small goal and if you can get past it and take it off a box, it's, it's a win. And just keep them ticking small boxes in your way. And it's probably what I'm working on again now. I'm sort of back to the basics of Gaelic and trying to, just get back to a good standard then be consistently good and just, as you say, put more targets and people back and just keep trying to pass them and just work up the ladder. Yeah. The small wins equals the compound of, of the big success. Um, and again, you think I'd be looking up on YouTube recently, Connor, as well as the St. Pat's video. Obviously, there's a there's a, a video um, of, of you sort of going in and your story over there. Are you coming in as an 18-year-old? And you were on the polo top and it's hanging off you and there's no size at all. Yeah. And then the next clip, it's you high ball, bomb through the middle. So physically looking at, you know, the different aspects of you going from minor football and, and uh, <clears throat> McCrory football into being part of a professional senior setup. Was there, what was that like as far as, you know, physicality, training, nutrition? Was there a whole different ballgame, was it? Like it was, to be fair, I, I was never a big man for the gym. Like never really love it, still don't really love it, to be honest. But... Went out over there and I was, I think it was 78 kilos when over first, and that was a real goal. Just sort of put on four or five kilos in the first year for cud. And I'm pretty lucky my weight. If I do I do enough work for it, I'll, I'll raise weight pretty easily. So got there to the stage pretty quickly and was gymming and sort of been punching my paces pretty pretty tough. So it was definitely beneficial for me now looking back on it. If I, if I had stayed at home, I don't know if I ever would have got to that stage that quickly, probably. Mm-hmm. So definitely did. Uh, it's benefiting me now that I did that in the first year or two over there, probably, and I've sort of stayed at the same weight and same size since that. But it was a big step up going into uh, FL FL setup. But my body has treated me pretty well. Touch wood that on changes. But if you can stay away from injuries, that's a lot of Irish players struggle with over there and getting niggly injuries. It can't let them have a full preparation or full preseason. Where thank God I really had very very little over there. A bit of a grain problem for two years, but was able to manage it and play. But Touch wood, it still happens, but my body was very good in when I was over there. And what sort of like, if you could describe an average, an average training day or an average training week, what would that look like in terms of conditioning, weights, nutrition? Yeah, so it's broken to your two different sort of seasons, so your pre-season and your in-season. So pre-season, you'd be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or your your main sessions. So you'll come in at eight o'clock, I mean, half seven, half eight on a, on a Monday or Wednesday or Friday and you'll have your team meeting for probably half an hour to 40 minutes sort of explaining your day, talking to your day and then you have a bit of physio time if you need physio before trading. You do your stretch and your prep work, go out, do your training for pre-season between an hour and a half and two hours. 
And then after that, you can come in, you do either probably 40 minutes of recovery. You, there's a pool. We have a beer looking off with like the facilities are amazing with a uh, pool, with hot baths, cold baths. So I'm not a fan of the cold baths. Always use the hot tub in the pools. <laughs> and that was enough for me. Like, so we did that. And then after <laughs> your recovery, you had your lunch. We were looking off. We had a uh, dietitian and two chefs at the club that sort of cooked on a, on a weekly basis for us. So... We had sort of snacks after after training, so like we eat pizzas and stuff and sort of stuff after just to feel your body again. Then after that, you'd have your your proper food like rice, chicken, and sort of just change by the very second. We the same same stuff sometimes, so they got plenty of feedback of what what they were cooking. <laughs> but uh, no, that has to be fair. Like you you were never you were never short of food. And then after that, you had your your evening. So it was about one o'clock normally took you to. Yeah. And then you had three different groups. So normally first to four years went together. Four years, to eight years went together, and eight years plus went together. And then you had your weights, one date, one weight session, a massage, and it's called your recal. It's like your own your own time, and they're all forty five minute uh, sections. So yeah. when one group's doing one, the other group's doing another, the other group's another, then you just keep switching. Yeah. So you do your weight session, your massage, and then your your own time is sort of go in do vision. So that's what I focus on a lot. My first year was just watching the game, watching players, and sort of just get catching up more or less. And then other players will go to vision. Or craft is another thing that's massive over there, which is your basic skills, just going down and doing hand passes. A lot of, a lot of rebound nets just around the, around the place and you go and do your hand passing, kick passing, sort of anything just really basic that's not, not strenuous in your body. So that's sort of your, your main full day. And then you have two half days during the week, which is off legs. So you normally go in and you have either, you have a choice, you normally do a bike session, a boxing session, something that's not really fatiguing your legs and well, not fatiguing your legs, not sore your legs. So you're ready to train the next day. So I was sort of just to get a, a bit of work in the chest and that was really it a bit of recovery and back home so you're normally your half days was from eight to twelve and your full day was probably eight till either one or three depending on what group finished first or second for second or last had enough i shift it was like it is i like you'd be before you'd be tired like but that's your pre-season so that goes from normally about the second or third of november till january february time and then you come to your in-season program which is pretty cruisy like you you play your game on the saturday you have a day off you come in you do a thing called recal which is more or less you do 10 hundreds up straight line then you play a bit of soccer throw a bit of frisbee about sort of get moving and then your next day your wednesday is your main session again which is normally two to three kilometers just get the the legs ticking and then you have a day off and then a captain's run which is the before game you more or less go in have a team meeting about the team you're playing what their strengths are how we can use our strengths to beat them and then your your game the next day and to be honest in season was, was class you just sort of you're just getting ready for the next game all week so it was no trading hard training it was easy just playing frisbee just playing frisbee it was, <laughs> it was hard to wait now i like i would like in season, more season. <laughs> yeah. and and here and how much did you feel like your um experience and your natural ability gaelic helped you because Two ways. I was thinking a lot of it was maybe you went over there and you talk, when you talk about craft, it was maybe difficult to to switch between the sphere ball and sort of the egg shape ball. But then I've also seen clips of you, you know, taking away solo on a dummy. Was at any point where they almost encouraging that natural ability to come out because it would almost um, surprise the natural Australian players when you're training and playing games. Yeah, so the sort of something I struggle with the start because the very start they're trying to just teach me teach me the basics of how to kick the ball and. It's one thing that now maybe in Australia that they really teach really one way to kick the ball and it's just kick straight, straight, straight. Whereas I kick most Irish players kick around the body like a Gaelic ball. 
So something I did struggle with the first year and probably just just agreed to do it because it was there and trying to impress them. And so I did I did get it, but eventually after that I sort of probably got a bit more confident in myself that uh, the way I'm back home and sort of tried tried different tried different things and probably did get in trouble a few times with it and game stuff trying stuff, but something never really affected me. I would try the next game twice probably if I did that. So it was something I always sort of tried and was always trying something different and just sort of trying to do stuff people couldn't do and trying to bring the game as much as I could and something I really enjoyed doing and sort of enjoyed watching players not be able to do, probably. <laughs> Made quite the spectacle when, when the Aussie commentators like, McKenna, when you did the dummy solo around the place. So, the Irishman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's testament though, just to that free-spirited, like carefree, you know, just play with confidence, just play with your own initiative. Yeah, that's something I think that the AFL is a bit a bit difficult on because players are so taught to kick the ball straight, straight, straight and there's only one way to do it so something I love about Gaelic because Gaelic is a very free-flowing sort of just playoff instinct so I think it's something that people should do and if you have the ability to do it you should just back yourself and if you, you're going to make mistakes everybody makes mistakes it's not no one's perfect like so it's something I've sort of always lived by is you, you, you fuck up or you mess up just next ball going the next thing don't worry too much about it like. Yeah, for sure. And then over the course of the six years, Connor, how if you could break that into periods of when you first came over, as in just learning your craft versus then moving into sort of the rookie squads and building your name and then fully being part of the professional first team, I suppose you would call it. Um, how long did it take you to break in and stuff and how much game time did you get once you got involved? Yeah, so I played uh, my first year. I actually started pretty well. I, played, I, started, I started as a forward my first year and that's where I always wanted to play and Played, I think I scored four or five goals in my first couple of games, and it was honestly, I, was, I thought I was, I was pretty close to playing. I thought in my first couple of games, and I ended up making my debut the second last game of the year. But I, I was happy enough how I was going, but obviously, I knew I was still a bit off being a consistently good player. And my second year, our club had a bit of a scandal where there was they were given supplements that weren't supposed to be given, so they got suspended. And then I sort of got an opportunity to show myself and because I had to bring up top of players, so we were one of the worst teams in the competition that year, but it was a good year for young fellas to, to get a chance, and I think I played 14 games my second year, and then sort of after that, I didn't play around one third year, my third year, and then from the second game on, I played, I think, every game probably for the next three to four years, other than maybe one or two with maybe injury or coming home for a wedding or something, but uh, probably from a, halfway through my third year, I sort of got a bit of confidence Consistently good, and I think I played consistent football from then, probably. And as a half back, primarily, Connor? Yeah, all half back, bar my then this year when I was homesick, I just didn't want to play at all. I tell them I didn't want to play half back, so I played the Chinese Man 40 game, and I got two games of forward and played the first game and I absolutely loved it. Scored a goal and thought it was going to be the best thing ever. And second game, I played 40 in and just walked off and sort of said, Yeah, I'm sort of sick of playing now, I don't want to play anymore. Sort of. When was this? Sorry. This was this year, sorry. Yeah, this year. Oh, right, right, yes. Just working. Yeah. yeah. Right, well, let's <laughs> let's get on to that then. Um, in terms of the homesickness then, I know I spoke, you said you were a bit of a homebird, but would you say then that it was an ever-present thought then about home or was it like a gradual phase of like, right, I'm, I'm closer to going home and then six months later, right, I'm okay. maybe closer. And then... It was always in the back of my head, like I just sort of, I suppose like people go out there to play professional sport in this class, play professional sport, but the professional sport is the money. Like that's as simple as it is. Like so, I was out there. You're playing to make money. Like that's as simple as it was. Like so, when for me that was class the first five, four or five years, and I was happy to make money. But when it got to the stage that I wasn't happy anymore, and the money wasn't worth, that's when I knew it just wasn't worth to stay over there, and I wasn't gonna be happy. So probably 
three to four years I was playing and happy making money and you're much of the pen, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm only joking. It's average enough. It's, yeah, it's, that's the thing. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a shock too because people think you go out there and from the very start you're making a really good coin. Like it's it's not more like I my my mate they're doing construction. We're making more money my first year. Like so it's mm. it's it's not it's not what it's made out to be. Is people think you're over there living an absolute dream of soccer professional players salary. It's it's definitely far from it. And it takes a few years to build that, but. When I did get the the decent the decent though was happy enough and that's probably was keeping me there and then just this year just fell I love everything and sort probably January time I sort of knew I was coming close to it and came home in February because I was homesick again and when I flew back out three weeks after that I sort of said to mum that it was most likely going to be the last time flying to Australia so I was pretty happy going back knowing that it was going to be my last flight back to Australia most likely and then how about life outside of football what was the lifestyle like um. I'm sure there's a big Irish contingent out there. I'm sure the boys came out and visited. Here you're a fan of the golf course as well. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Played well, not very good, like, but I played plenty. I'll try plenty. Like, <laughs> uh, it's real. Like, so you do thir- Thursday was your day off normally during pre-season, and about 20 of our players would have played golf. So every Wednesday during training was just talking about what we're playing tomorrow, and you'd be straight <laughs> to an hour or so to play golf. So it was a good way to put a day in. But no, the life before the lifestyle was very good. And like, advise anybody to go over and try it. It was it was class city living and. Sunshine, there's always something on between tennis, golf, there's any amount of events on throughout the year, so there was plenty to do, but yeah, it just wasn't for me coming in. Yeah, Connor, in terms of the in terms of the squad and the other players, like um was there a real professional sense or like was it easy enough to like be yourself and you know be mates as such off the off the field or off the training field? No, it was pretty easy. Pretty like your, your GA team, but like you, you've there's 40 ways there. There's gonna be ways you don't like, there's gonna be ways you do like. It's just simple. <laughs> so, there was a good, a good few lads I got on very well with, and I lived with three of the players for two two years before my brother moved out. So, no, there's definitely friendships there you have for life. Like, but it was, it was probably hard to start because going over there, I was pretty young and stuff, and trying to talk to people that you didn't have a clue or understand anything about it was sort of a bit difficult. Probably the first six months, just getting the no buys and. I talked very, very quick at the start, so no one understood me. So it was, it was a tough experience to start now. Yeah, I remember seeing the video of their, their interview. I remember it was that yeah, first interview. Wasn't that big polo, as Johnny was saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Iconic. Everyone's been watching off this. The views will shut up. Yeah. Um, and, and, then, and, and then looking at the decision to come home, Connor, was there one more? I suppose you've already supposed to answer this. It was just a gradual feeling of yeah, there was never going to home and a homesickness as, as opposed to like one single nail in the coffin. No, there's no nail in the coffin. It sort of was just building up and building up. And I always knew probably the last probably year and a half that it was coming just closer. And I probably, I'd signed a four year contract and I sort of knew after probably two and a half years I wasn't going to finish it out. So there's no gradual, it was just, sorry, it was just a gradual build up. And then when I actually had the conversation with the, the coaches and the why I was here and stuff, and I actually said I, I want to go home then, that was a, a great relief. Like I said, I just felt better. And I tell them on a Wednesday and Thursday morning, I was flying out back to back to Sydney and then back to Ireland two days later. And had you been having dialogue with Mickey Hart at, during this time? Is that, you know, I'm coming back, oh. get, get a spot ready for me? <laughs> I could talk when I came home in February because I was homesick. I was talking to him. I met up with Mickey and he said I was looking to come to the team that time. But I said I was I was going back to Australia to give it another go. But it would very likely be home pretty soon. So I had kept in, in small contact with him, sort of just saying that it was looking more likely that I would be home sooner rather than later. And then when I did finally come home, I just sort of let him know that I'd be coming home. And then when I got home, about two weeks later, he gave me a phone call and said I would come up to the team. So 
Good to get that call. What was that like the first training back? Yeah, it was class. We were just buzzing for it. Just couldn't wait to get up and just came back and talking to the lads and sure just rolled back in as if you had never really left, like you know, most of the lads and it was just back to normal. So it was definitely good and enjoyable. And how about on the club front? I heard that you had come back and had a stint back in Aglish. At the time was the beat relegation. So I'm sure you're looking to get fully back in the mix with them as well, coming up here. Yeah, there was a league final this year. I was supposed to play in the week before Throne, play Donegal, but I uh, remember my house had COVID, so I had to isolate for 14 days. So ah. I missed that, which was unfortunate. But yeah, looking forward to getting back and stuck into them, back in Greybone this year. So hopefully it'll be a good year. You got the... You got a slap on the wrist for playing for Agnes though a few years ago, didn't you? And you came home. That guy, I always played for Agnes. Like it's, it's playing. I didn't play because it was never fit. Like I was always down Belfast, then up and playing the weekend. It was just I wasn't fit to run the length of myself. But I always put the jersey on anyway. And somehow I always say like Agnes without Agnes or Throne, I would never have got the, the opportunity I got. So it, for me, it was never a question. I was never going to play for them when I was home. And the way I sort of always looked at it, the worst thing they could ever do to me was send me home and <laughs> it was only going to make my hobby probably. So it didn't really bomb that much. <laughs> That's good, good perspective, I say. Um, so here, with that in mind, then with Tyrone, you're obviously pretty comfortable back in the panel this year. Like you'd never been away, as you said, scoring goals, points, hitting frees even. Um, it was whenever you scored that point. Remember the free kick against Donegal? Morgan was going to come up. And like it wasn't that far out, but it was against the wind, and it was a tricky kick. But like you just took a couple of steps back, swung it over, and again it was reminding me of Kerr Free, just do it as you see it, play away. Um, so that was that's what I was thinking whenever you did that. Um, so sort of went off his hands there. Um, <laughs> what was your what would your plans be then, or what's the feeling within the squad, Tyrone? For I know obviously twenty twenty one, it looks like it's going to be seriously upset again with. Restrictions, but what's the feeling in the squad at the minute, or your own personal outlook on the next couple of years with Tyrone? Let's say, yeah, I think, yeah, I think we're definitely, definitely close. Like, it's something I'd love to be dubbing off their perch, like, and I think <laughs> that the definitely the players are to do it. And I suppose there's a few players coming back to you, like Lee, Lee Brandon played manager for me, he's back again, and maybe Mickey Style didn't suit some of the players, but the way these players, the managers want to play is attacking football, hopefully. So it, Seems to go back to sort of the way I, I left. So it's definitely exciting times and I definitely think of the players that do it and hopefully we can put a few things right and get three ultra first and then just keep going on. But it just depends what happens this year with I suppose COVID and all. But the next three to four years I'm looking forward to getting stuck in this. will be as soon as fans are live back, they'll be selling at Healy Park for sure. And definitely hopefully the athletic guys yeah, too. Big Division One contest this this year, isn't it? The, the whole North and South split. Yeah. So we getting some some contest there, I'm sure. Looking forward to play Armani. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, that that's been a, a complete uh, run through, Connor, of you from the glory days through the present glory days. I'm sure there's plenty more to come. It's been a, a pleasure to have you on. As far as you know, me and Ashley, to be looking forward to this uh, for a, a good while. Like, so thanks for your time. And I suppose the last question. For for me, it would just be everybody knows you um, as AFL star, you know, superstar Gaelic or whatever it may be. But what do you do outside of sport to sort of keep your head short, especially in these current times? Like, what do you like to do in your, your spare time to, to pass time? So, you've got a lot in your hand or a lot of time in your hands at the minute, like most of us. Yeah, I suppose I just, I'm not really a person that sits in the house. I like to do as much outdoor stuff as I can. So, I started sort of walking there and mountain climbing recently. and 
sort of just get in the car and even when I came home last couple of years, I'd always get in the car and tag one of the mates and leave on a Friday and we'd just drive down the country and pull up the car somewhere and book a hostel and stay there and just sort of like in different places and meeting people and having a few pints in there from a wee small cosy pub. So just sort of anning and get out of the house. So go up the more mountains there a few times and it's it's unbelievable. Like there's plenty of stuff to do if you if you look hard enough and started surfing there probably six weeks ago up in the Benone and near Lim Valley. So it's there's more there's, <laughs> there's more than mountain stuff to do in Ireland like so there's a pattern um, emerging here, on field and off field. You just go and go and do it, oh, carefree. Try, I, 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 Throw off the shackles. Like, yeah, try anything. Um, hopefully, <laughs> I start riding horses again. I used to be riding horses when I was younger, so I want to get back into that. I saw that you put up a few stories of the horses going around. Horses, I, so dads be horses there, and I want to get back into riding them. So see what happens there. I might lose a few pounds of horse, but I'll try uh, I was going to say, I'm not really saying no to much. Good enough. Good enough policy. Uh, well, here, just to echo what Johnny said, thank you so much for joining us uh, for episode 21. Absolute pleasure. Such an enjoyable chat. Um, again, from someone who was operating at an elite level, but more than that, it's just so humble, down to earth. And that's certainly something that I'll be taking away for on the field and off the field. Just throw off the shackles and go and do it. Enjoy yourself. After it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No worries, lad. Thanks for having me. Last Connor. Look forward to hearing the feedback off this everyone. Thanks for listening.